You're listening to the NetDocuments Cloudcast with Stephen and Mike. Here we talk everything NetDocuments, along with relevant events and technology, and a few other things sprinkled in. Welcome to today's podcast. I think this is, what, episode five or episode six or somewhere in there. Stephen, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. I'm like you. I, I'm losing track. These podcasts are just being produced like wildfire. Absolutely. I'm loving it. That, that, that's a good thing, I, I think. No one's told us to stop, so at least that part is good. <laughs> <laughs> we'll keep going until they pull the plug, and hopefully that never happens. Oh, that's absolutely right. And you know what? I've got a, a very exciting announcement. Well, for me, it's exciting. I think maybe our listeners will be, eh, so-so. But I, I want to let people know that we're kind of getting more into the modern age, especially of social media, of communication, and I know in past episodes we have said, if you have any questions or any topics or any feedback, you know, email us at info@netdocuments.com. However, we now have a new method of communication that's even more modern than email. We've got a Twitter handle out there, and oh my goodness, I know. And as we come out with new episodes and comments, we really want to be able to interact more real-time with our three or four listeners than what email would allow. So for those of you who are listening, if you have a Twitter handle and you want to follow us, you can find us at NDCloudcast is our Twitter handle. And as of this particular podcast, we've got several different tweets out there. We've got links to the different audio places where you can go and access the podcast. And we will be monitoring this. And so if you want to send us a message via Twitter, we'll respond as quickly as we can. We'll take ideas, suggestions, feedback, as long as it's good feedback. None of this, Mike, you sound like crap stuff. I don't want any of that. So (laughs) we're excited to announce that. And uh, welcome to the Modern Age Net Documents Cloudcast, right? And just as a a first order of business for this Twitter, Twitter handler, how many of you want to hear Barbara? Bringing back around Barbara Streisand, Mike Sanders singing Barbara Streisand, reach out to the Twitter handler. Let's get this to happen. You know, I think there might be some copyright trademark infringements. I don't know if that's legally possible, <laughs> Stephen. <laughs> well, let's let's make a dream come true here. Let's reach out to Barbara. We'll get her signature on it. I'm sure she'd be fine. I'll tell you what, you do that, we got ourselves a deal. <laughs> It's not a true Net Documents Cloudcast without mentioning Barbara Streisand, so we can check that box off for today's. I think we can, and let's never speak of that again. <laughs> <laughs> so what are we talking about today, Stephen? Well, Mike, the first thing that I want to bring up, I will have some other uh, exciting news relating to Mike Sanders outside of our Twitter uh, handler that's just been set up, and as Mike just announced, Mike, you had some exciting news happen that I want to bring to the table and let our, our listeners out there know. Mr. Mike Sanders was actually mentioned in a very prestigious magazine. Uh, Mike, what magazine were you in? Uh, The magazine is New Law Journal. There it is. There it is. Those of you that have heard of that before, uh, those of you that have subscriptions to that, you can find Mike Sanders referenced in there. And Mike, I I want you to tell us a little bit about your experience. You had an article about collaboration. You know, we just talked about Twitter, being able to collaborate about uh, the Cloudcast on Twitter. But we also have a very heavy collaboration experience within NetDocuments that you were able to be interviewed about and uh, and had an entire article dedicated to you in the New Law Journal. So, Mike, what was that experience like for you? 
Now, to be fair, it's not an article about me. It was not dedicated to me by any means. It was dedicated. <laughs> That's to the way I read it. Whenever <laughs> I see your name show up, it's dedicated to you. It was dedicated to collaboration technology for law firms. In fact, it's in the March 2nd edition of the magazine, page 18. I'm actually looking at it right now. It's a quite nice print up. But essentially, it talks about, you know, there's a study that Deloitte did back in June 2016 called Future Trends for Legal Services. And it was a report that they had done. The basic premise, and I'm quoting from from their study, it says, conventional law firms are no longer meeting today's business needs. The majority of participants, meaning 55% 55 of participants in the study, which were legal counsel, general counsel, CEOs, and CFOs, they have taken or are considering a significant review of their legal suppliers. This report continues to go on and, and talk about that 52% of in-house legal departments are considering buying legal services from non-traditional law firms. And the reason for that is because the traditional law firms are not meeting the needs of their clients. And this article focused around the needs of the collaboration of law firms interacting with their clients, whether it be corporate legal departments or other businesses or even even in the private sector. And so the article really focuses on the elasticity, the dynamic capabilities of collaboration, especially with the prevalence of the Internet and with the web. And, you know, net documents from a collaboration standpoint, that's one of the areas where I believe we excel. You know, what we've seen in the past is we've seen you have DMS providers, you have collaboration providers, extranet providers specifically, you have other types of things. You know, you have Google Docs, which I, I've seen some corporations utilize, but it's really not a secure location for law firms. So it really doesn't fit the bill for real-time collaboration and other types of things. So it focuses around collaboration tools available. And Net Documents actually brings a suite of collaboration tools to the table that are all part of the Net Documents picture. Stephen, I'm going to turn this around. It's not about me. It's about us. From your perspective, why don't you mention briefly a, a little bit about collaboration within the Net Documents system? Yeah, absolutely. And you know, a big part of this, and one of the things I, I wanted to call out in that article as I as I read it recently as well, you know, looking for your name and wanting to get your signature on it. One of the biggest things that it calls out at the very end of it is the use of what's what they refer to as the next level cloud. Being obviously a cloudcast, being a part of net documents, that's something that really stands out to me and stands out in the industry is being a part of a cloud that can take you to the next level or has that infrastructure for uh, next level collaboration. Some of the things that net documents, I think, handles really well when it comes to a collaborative uh, experience is having tiered levels or experiences based upon what type of collaboration you need to do. Do you need to collaborate on a single file or on a single document? Do you have maybe a collection of documents, 10, 15, 20 documents that you need to work with people that are maybe inside of your firm, outside of your firm, but have that portal experience to be able to collaborate on those documents? Or do you have a large scale need of collaborating? Do you have to create a large-scale extranet and bring in individuals from outside of your firm or outside whether you know it's with a neighboring firm with co-counsel, a client, um, a different organization that needs to come in? And you can actually customize your collaboration experience based upon those needs. And so NetDocuments handles that very, very well, whether it's a single link 
using the net documents deliver a secure link for that first tier using a net documents share space for that second tier with maybe some more files or creating actual external user accounts for that third level of that large scale access. And so that's a couple of things. And I think some of the things that we can talk about, and I think we're going to hit on as far as uh, in our next segment about where DMS is going, what is this next level cloud computing and how does that impact the future of DMS, whether it's for a law firm, a corporate legal department, a corporation in general, or just a standard experience of trying to access content in the cloud. Excellent. Well, those are all great comments, Stephen. You know, there are even a couple of additional collaboration features that people may not necessarily consider as collaboration features. One example, in fact, I've got two. One of those is our integration with Office 365 Online and being able to take advantage of their co-authoring capabilities. So, you know, I could share a document with you and you're outside of my organization. And as long as you have a NetDocuments account, so I've made you an external user, you have access to the document, you and I can actually both open the document online and you edit the first half of the document, I edit the second half of the document. So that's another method of collaboration that really is baked into NetDocuments. And then the other one that came to mind is the availability of our ND Sync. You know, many people, as you talk about cloud solutions and, oh, what do I use personally? Where do I store my photos, et cetera? Many people are very familiar with Dropbox and how Dropbox can have a local folder structure and it syncs to the cloud, et cetera. That's exactly what NDSync does with NetDocuments. And there are some organizations that have taken NDSync and let's say I've taken a folder, I've given my external user access to the folder, I've installed NDSync on their computer, now all of a sudden they can access that content locally and it syncs to and from the cloud seamlessly without that user having to do anything. So it's that's another type of collaboration that's available. The last big benefit of NetDocuments collaboration is there are many organizations I talk with that today have their DMS and they have a separate collaboration tool. The One of the problems with that is those are two separate systems. So let's say I'm sharing a document, but I'm updating the document in my DMS, and now I have to remember, wait, I'm sharing this. I then have to put a copy of that in the collaboration platform and then have to maintain both copies. So if my external person updates the copy in our collaboration platform, I then have to take that updated content and put it back in my DMS. But with NetDocuments, all of that resides in the same platform, the same location, so as I update the original, if that is what I'm sharing with that external person, that external person has immediate access because it's really two different ways to access the same document. So it's very simple. It gives me a unified search and a lot of other conveniences because all of that fits within the secure NetDocuments platform. So I know, you know, a couple of podcasts ago, we talked about security. In fact, I think it was our last podcast. We talked about security, we talked about encryption, we talked about this and that, and all of that applies to content, whether it's stored and accessible only internally, or we've shared it externally as well. You know, Mike, that's, those are great points. I'm glad you brought each of those up. And I think that as a kind of a final wrap on this collaboration speech or, or piece of the, the podcast is we're not stopping with what we can do today. You know, everything that, that both Mike and I have mentioned so far are things that are available with NetDocuments today. But collaboration as an end user experience is one of our first and foremost initiatives right now. And that can be, you know, a, a kind of a testament to that 
is what we're doing in the service as far as building out what we're calling collaboration spaces, uh, building out the ability to enhance that external user experience, and then more, even more so with the recent press release of ND Thread, the ability to have true modernized persistent chat dialogues around who's working on what file, being able to send a link out internally, and then also being able to create threads potentially with some of those external users so that we can actually have that persistent chat experience that so many people are used to today just in the way that standard communication is taking place across all different types of platform forms, whether it's a mobile device, a smartwatch, being able to send a message or receive a link or send a link from your smartwatch, being able to get on a mobile device on any type of, uh, of computer and be able to have that type of immediate communication to be able to work and collaborate on your documents. That's, I mean, just, just keeping an ear to ground to all the things that Net Documents is bringing to the forefront of the industry while we're taking this next level cloud and bringing as part of that next level conversation, collaboration, keeping that at the forefront of every dialogue. Well, that's a great wrap up, Stephen. In fact, I think that's the cherry on top of this thick layer of icing, beautifully presented. <laughs> so I think that finishes you, up. Oh, yes. Absolutely. Now I'm getting hungry. <laughs> so that wraps up our first segment. We hope you'll stay around as we get into our next segment. We got a couple of different topics. Uh, we're going to talk about one of our, our customer webinars we just did, highlighting a case study. And we're going to talk about the future of DMS. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. Okay. Welcome All right. to, to segment oh. two, at least if I have my count right. <laughs> Steven, I got a question for you. Recently, yes, sir. Recently, you hosted a webinar of one of our non-legal customers. So, yes, we actually have companies that are not legal-oriented that utilize NetDocuments as well. Just goes to show that NetDocuments is a great fit for anyone that has a document-intensive business. So, can you kind of give us some information about the webinar? Who was the customer? What did you guys talk about? And maybe summarize in, in two to three bullet points uh, what the main points of that webinar was. Absolutely, I'd be happy to. It was a it was a real privilege to be a part of that uh, from the webinar standpoint. And actually, uh, the the specific Net Documents customer that we had was Ascension Health, being joined by Ashley Kruger, who is the manager of business operations at Ascension. And you know, I had the again the privilege to be a part of the webinar uh, webinar with her. And, and to be able to talk about that experience, but I also was able to be a part of their actual implementation with Net Documents, and so I've been able to spend a lot of time with them as a customer, um, and then really just getting their organization to mold and to to fit the Net Documents experience. And that was one of the key points of the webinar, kind of like you said, Mike. You know, when a lot of people think about a DMS or document management services in general they really feel like they are catered to law firms. But one of the biggest points that we tried to, to talk about and that Ashley shared with us is that that is absolutely not the case. Document management services can be for any type of professional organization that has heavy content management requirements. And so one of the main things that we talked about in the webinar was discussing how 
Ascension as a very, again, robust professional organization. You know, a couple things about them. They're the largest nonprofit health system in the U.S., and they have almost 165,000 associates and 40,000 physicians and, and providers across their entire network, which means that they also have all these facilities, all these departments, all these offices literally across the country in almost every major part of the country and some non-major parts of the country that they really needed to align up because you have this content heavy requirement to be able to share and communicate uh, communicate across, across all these different sites. And so one of the main things that we talked about during the webinar was why they chose NetDocuments. Again, from that same initial topic of document management services traditionally are viewed from the corporate sector as specific for law firms. But Ascension absolutely saw the need to have the DMS type functionality embedded in their organization. They needed to align across all their different sites, all their different offices, that specific way to organize, secure and maintain, and then collaborate on their content. And collaboration, as we talked about in the first segment of this podcast, was one of the things that stood out the most as to something that NetDocuments really handles well and then being able to handle that collaboration across their sites with different or, or with the robust level of security that NetDocuments has. And so it was interesting, you know, we talked a lot about their project, about, you know, where they were coming from, the reason why some of the design decisions that they made. And I think one of the most one of the most effective things that happened during their migration, during their implementation of NetDocuments, uh, they actually were coming from a hybrid system before where they had a, a DM, uh, DMS in place, an older DMS, as well as different uh, folder structures and file systems across different servers. So you can imagine from that collaboration standpoint, there was a lot of completing the picture, bringing everything into that single ecosystem where things could live happily and be collaborated with. But one of the things that was really important for them to do was uh, during the implementation have a very robust and precise mapping exercise because when they were coming from so many different environments it was worth it and very important as far as this implementation to take the time to make sure that this single instance this cloud experience was exactly what they needed and that actually has led to them having a very successful experience since being a NetDocuments customer, since they went live on the system, it's been a couple of years now since they did. And because of that exercise, because of what we did during the design of the system, and not just doing the traditional out-of-the-box legal client and matter structure, but having it set specifically and catered to their organization, they've been able to ramp up from there, bringing on since then other departments, expanding across the entire enterprise, and allowing them to have a foundation that facilitated that growth. And so it was just a, it was a fascinating conversation to be a part of. You know, I worked with Ashley very closely during the implementation, but to hear what they've been able to accomplish since then over the last, you know, couple of years as they've been using the system, bringing it on, on other departments, collaborating with some of their outside firms that maybe some of them are using net documents, some of them not. But because they have that single experience of the way that they manage collaboration, they're able to really benefit as an entire organization to be able to allow documents to have their effective and efficient and complete life cycle. 
Um, and so again, just a fascinating conversation to be a part of. Um, I, I believe out on our website, netdocuments.com, you can register or, or go and look to see a recording of that webinar if you'd like to hear more of specifically what Ashley's experiences were. Again, netdocuments, www.netdocuments.com, and it'll be posted on the NetDocuments blog. Well, that's great. So I'm curious, Stephen, you were involved in their implementation overall, and, and their implementation, you know, especially the more document sources you have a little bit that adds a little bit of complexity to the implementation so Absolutely. from i guess from the start of the project until at least the the first group of users were live do you have any idea of how long the implementation took yeah, absolutely. So you, you break you make a great point there because they were coming from multiple systems. There was some added complexities, you know, taking the time to really go through a very thorough mapping exercise to make sure that the bridge from the source to the destination lined up appropriately. So there was some work there. I would say from start to finish, we were about I would say about 9 months to completion from start to completion. But that being said, you know, Ascension, they did something a, a little unique, a little more unique uh, to what most uh, implementations follow. Uh, if you wanna dig back into a couple of episodes ago where we talked with JB Trexler about implementation best practices, one of the things that we talked about was doing a, a, a big bang or a single instance cutover uh, where you, you roll out to your entire firm or organization. Well, because of some of the complexities with Ascension's uh, coming from multiple systems and with multiple options, we actually did a rolling go live with them where we went from office to office, uh, importing data and then uh, training the different offices and bringing people online uh, based upon where they were at geographically. And that was really supported by their environment because every office really had their own content stored in a folder structure. We were able to really manage that. From the start of the project to the first office that went live, I would say it was about uh, about five, five, maybe six months, and then we were able to complete all of the offices coming online in about that nine-month time frame. Oh, that sounds great. That's that's pretty impressive, Stephen. And they, you know, as you mentioned, they've got different locations throughout the U.S. Is that right? Correct. Oh, excellent. Well, that's that. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, yeah, that was one of the things that really kind of fed into that decision of doing a rolling migration is because of the way that they were spread across you know, the, the, the country geographically in different, different states, different cities, and also using a different network and a different folder structure. I mean, you can imagine some of the, the challenges that they were having prior to NetDocuments, trying to have that alignment across all their different offices across the country when they were all using different, uh, different file servers. And so when you talk about the benefit of after they went live and really fueling their growth to be able to have each of these offices start to align and work together to take them into where they're at today. Excellent, excellent. So I've got a piece of, now in our in our podcasts, we do these fun trivia facts, et cetera, and, and I've got one for later in the show, but I actually have a piece of obscure trivia that I think no one else knows because it's personal to me, but it's specifically related to Ascension Health, believe it or not. So I was involved in the sales process of Ascension Health. Me and the sales rep, we were given, hey, here's, here's the date we need you to be on site. 
we want you to do a demonstration and meet with various teams, etc. <clears throat> they told us this information probably about a week before we were to be in their office. And one of the last sentences in their email said, oh, by the way, dress code is suit and tie. Well, guess who didn't own a suit? Me. <laughs> so I had to rush out and I bought a suit specifically for that sales meeting in their offices in Ascension Health. And that was the first suit I'd bought in probably 15 years. So those who, those who have seen me, you know, obviously in the past year or so, I've bought an additional suit since then. But if you've ever seen me in the past four or five years in a black suit, that was the suit I bought specifically for Ascension Health, but it served me well. So so two follow-up questions. You've already kind of answered one that you have bought another suit since then, which I'm very glad to hear that your your closet uh, of of fine Italian suits is, grow, is growing because uh, I'm sure the one you bought in a week's notice for Ascension was fine Italian material. Uh, you fitted perfectly to you, correct? Absolutely. You know what? Okay. Rush job. I wouldn't expect anything <laughs> less. Since then, how often do you wear your suits? Um, I wear my suits on on almost every single sales call that I go on nowadays. So oh. it was that black suit was used quite a bit. And interesting sub fact along this line is there was a particular law firm that uh, I'd visited three or four times using this black suit. And at the end of one of my last visits, the IT director goes, do you just own one suit? <laughs> I said, yes, I do. And I felt ashamed. And he said, you don't have anything to worry about. I had one suit for 15 years. That was the only one I ever wore. So, oh my goodness. yeah. That well, so we, we need to, we're, I'm obviously very grateful for the time I was able to work with Ascension for the webinar, but now I have another reason. And all the, all the customers that have met with Mike Sanders since that day, we can all owe it to Ascension for requiring Mike Sanders to buy a suit. That's right. So. The legacy of Ascension <laughs> Health continues. <laughs> okay, now we're going to switch topics completely. All right, we've, we've talked about things that have gone on. But one of the things that I'm curious about, and I want to pick your brain, and I'm sure you're going to pick what's left of mine, is the future of document management. So we know where we are today. In fact, we talked collaboration and share spaces. You talked about collaboration spaces that are coming within net documents. But I'm curious, Stephen, I want to get your take on where you think the future of document management services is going. You know, it's a, it's a great question and, and one that I'm sure there's varying opinions on, on where the future can go. You know, it's always such an, the, the future is such an interesting topic because, you know, you go back 10 years uh, in the past from today. And I think at that time, net documents might have been the only technology in the cloud. But you fast forward 10 years and now everything is in the cloud. The cloud is, you know, they're, they're no longer, as I like to say, when you say the cloud, people don't first think about what's in the sky anymore. They don't think about the white puffy things. They think about technology. That's just the way that the mindset has changed over the last 10 years. And so now where you think where we might go over the next 10 years, and you think about some of the trends in the news today around all the different platforms out there from social media um, to, to banking to some of those services, it's all about security. It's about protecting your personal information and your data. 
And so one of the things that I think the industry has to kind of go towards, yes, there's the end user experience that has to be delightful. It has to be an experience that is intuitive. So that way you can take advantage uh, so that everyone can take advantage of some of that enhanced or advanced, maybe is a better term, back end infrastructure security that makes all the risk off risk assessment officers, risk managers, uh, security officers. This is what will help them sleep well at night, knowing that their end users can also take advantage of it because it's an intuitive system. And so when we talk about that security aspect, where that has to go, you know, it's net documents is already right up at the very forefront of the security conversation with what the security and the architecture platform can bring to this to the forefront of everything which we talked about a couple of podcasts ago so you, you can go back and listen to that one again if you want to know about security but where i think it's going and where i think it it really has to go one of the things that is is incredibly is critically important today and will continue to be important is data loss prevention or DLP. And then the second piece of that is gonna be DRM or IRM, which is digital rights management or information rights management. And that's really the ability to track information outside of the platform that it sits in. And one of the things I think that Net Documents is really paying close attention to right now is how to accomplish both of those things. Um, you know, with our data loss prevention, the DLP policy manager that's coming available here in the near future, and then being able to build on top of that so you truly have complete control. And some of the things that NetDocuments already does with the delivery of a secure link and being able to track that link and be notified with it, and then also with ndThread, being able to have that communication outside of the platform in that personal chat, but be able to have it secured within the net documents platforms are some of the things that's already leading the discussion when we talk about where the future needs to go. So what it sounds like, Stephen, if I can restate, is it sounds like you you believe that additional security controls that are even more robust than what exists today will be introduced as core features, core competencies of DMSs in the future. Absolutely. I would agree with that. I mean, I, I kind of know where we're going as, as a company and as a platform. And yeah, all of that is included in our roadmap. And if, you know, if other companies don't keep pace, they're going to fall even further behind than they already are. So any, well, oh, sorry, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, it's really interesting. You know, one of the things that just hit the news with, within the last week has been what happened with Facebook. You know, here we have a social media platform that is used by millions and billions of people across the whole world that had a security breach, that had that had information leaked out. And, you know, that's the that's the key component there is what happens when it gets outside of the system. And like you said, you know, we know what's what's coming. We know what's on NetDocuments roadmap. And for all of our listeners out there, all three or four of them, hopefully we're up maybe up even up to five now. You know, if, if you're not thinking about security right now and today and where security is going, you're going to be falling behind because the way that the industry is moving, the way that technology and information security is moving, you have to protect that as everything is being transmitted around. I agree with that. 
Any any other predictions come to mind? Well, so I here, let, let me ask you a question here, and I want to I want to get your take on this as well. Where do you think, as far as where the industry will go, what do you think it will be that will continue to make and motivate professional organizations to leave the on-premise systems and really make that that final step towards getting into the cloud? So there's a there are multiple facets to answer that question. One of them you talked about is the security inherent in good, mature cloud platforms. But there are other things as well, ubiquitous access. So access from anywhere at any time on any device. The usability of these solutions, the adaptability of the solutions as new technologies come out, look how quickly things are being integrated into cloud solutions. As an example, and this isn't a document specific, is back in December, we acquired a company called ThreadKM, which was hosted, so they were already kind of in the cloud. And by April of this year, the first iteration of integration between NetDocuments and ThreadKM is going to be rolled out. That's four months to integrate two disparate systems. On-premises systems don't have that ability to adapt or to act that quickly, even if they did, that still requires effort on the customer's part. So you've got the security, you've got the adaptability, you've got the usability and the flexibility of cloud-based systems. It also allows us, because we have experts, full-time experts on staff, all they do is they look at how can we make that documents more secure. All they do is how can we further improve upon the searching capabilities in that documents? What technologies exist? How can we either acquire and incorporate, or how can we develop on our own, or how can we plug in? So it all comes down to the adaptability, the focus on what we do so we can relieve that burden from our, our existing customers. Because a customer that buys an on-premises system, it's up to them, how do we secure it? How do we put security patches on the system? What if the hardware goes bad? So they have to have DR capabilities. Oh, we like this new technology. How can we integrate it to our on-prem system? So there are multiple facets as to why people will continue to go to the cloud. But one of, one of the other things, you know, just to kind of talk about real quick is, you know, something that we've already been talking about a lot today is collaboration. And Mike, you mentioned earlier that a lot of organizations are integrating still collaboration platforms with a document management system like NetDocuments. Do you think that those will stay two separate industries? Do you think that those will get molded, uh, brought together? Uh, where do you see that going as far as those collaboration platforms? I, yeah, I see the lines being blurred between those two different types of vendors. You know, you've got collaboration-specific vendors. HiQ is a good example. They're a widely used collaboration platform to externalize content and share with your clients. However, if you go to their website, they'll say, oh, by the way, we do document management. So they're in the process of trying to change their image from just a collaboration space or a collaboration tool into a oh, we're internal as well. And, you know, to be fair, NetDocuments, on the other hand, we're a DMS. We've had collaboration tools in the system since day one. In fact, we, we started out with collaboration as the core principle and then built upon that for a fully functional DMS. 
But as you stated earlier, we have ongoing efforts to make our collaboration tools even more robust to where we want to, in most cases, eliminate the need to go out and find a collaboration platform because we have the functionality that's on par with collaboration vendors. So I see things like that lines blurring between different technology roles. We already see that today with you have these all in one, it's an accounting system, it's matter management, oh, they have document management, they have CRM. So it's an all-in-one solution. And perhaps for a small organization that doesn't have a lot of complicated needs, that may suit them. But as you grow or as your customers become more demanding on security concerns, on functionality, those all-in-one systems cannot function, can't meet those needs. But I think there are going to be some natural blurring lines and collaboration platforms versus DMS vendors is one of those blurring lines that will continue to blur. Yeah, absolutely. I completely agree, Mike. It's going to be really interesting to see uh, how how far those lines blur, uh, you know, and, and when, you know, will it get to a point where those lines ultimately disappear and they really become that, uh, that single platform experience. You know, an, another thing that I'll just mention here real quickly as far as where the industry will continue to go is along the lines continuing on that conversation of collaboration is mobility you know everywhere you go now if you're on the train someplace uh, if you're if you're walking down the streets of a big city how many people are continually connected with other people with work with things that they're having to deliver on a, a case filing or something like that hopefully that's what everyone's looking at their phones doing is work sometimes that's not the case but being able to say you know i i can be anywhere in the world and be connected to what my job is requiring of me, to be able to truly produce that efficient, effective, and accurate work product. And that can now start being done and be completed on any device. One of the things that that NetDocuments really has polished, I would say, over the last few years is that true mobile experience, the ability to get to that content, to get to that work product securely and intuitively from an end user experience on a mobile device and then be able to have that content be reviewed, be edited, be able to send links out, do everything that you really can do while sitting at your desk in the office while you're on the go. And then one of the things that I always I always bring up, you know, we talk about uh, being on a mobile device or a tablet versus the workstation, but how much of this mobile experience is even going beyond that? from a notification that pops up on a smartwatch, like I mentioned earlier, being able to receive these notifications and be connected at all times is something that will continue to evolve. And then again, removing all those lines between having to be at a desk in an office versus being on the go and being able to still deliver what you need to deliver. Exactly. So, you know, I had a conversation with, with a lawyer, oh, at least a year, maybe a year and a half ago. And she was asking me, can I edit documents on my iPhone? And I laughed. I said, oh, really? You want to edit documents on your iPhone with a screen that small? Who would want to do that? And her response to me was, you know, when I stand in the grocery line to check out, I've got time because downtime isn't billable time. I want to be able to bill that time while I'm standing in the grocery line. And so she said, it's a great example of where I might want to edit on my phone. And, you know, fortunately, 
the NetDocuments mobile experience gives you that ability. I know other providers out there give you that ability as well, but, but not all mobile experiences are created equal. I think the functionality on the mobile device will continue to develop, will continue to progress. So on a mobile device, typically, if you look at a full-blown system on, say, a workstation versus that same system on a mobile device, I mean, even look at Salesforce. The Salesforce One app is a light version of Salesforce. You can't do everything on the app that you can do on their website. That's the way it is with a lot of different providers. I see the mobile device coming on par with the experience and the capabilities on a workstation. I think that's that's where we're headed because the, the demands are such that I have to have full access anytime, anywhere, any device. Well, and it's fascinating too along that same topic of will we get to a point where the desktop or even the laptop that is that has the full workstation experience Will that start to dissolve where corporations and companies are going to start to deliver a robust tablet or maybe a Chromebook type device where you don't necessarily need this high powered workstation to be able to get your work done because the processing power is taking place in the cloud? Yeah, you and I have talked before about a zero footprint desktop. You just need yeah. a device and a browser. And then everything else, in fact, it's it's going back to those old uh, dumb terminal type environments, which may be before your time, Stephen. Um, but basically, <laughs> you just had a terminal with a keyboard and all the processing, processing was done on the back end. It seems like that's that's the direction that technology in general is going, especially with the cloud of the picture. So let me ask you this hard question, Mike. Is DMS truly becoming the new enterprise platform? replacing some of those other enterprise-wide platforms out there, will cloud-based DMS functionality be able to replace that? I know in net documents terms, I can speak for what we are doing. You know, our mission statement is we are the trusted cloud platform for legal DMS, for financial DMS, etc. And the way that we've designed the system with our AM marketplace, with our ND compute fabric, allowing other cloud vendors to plug in, that's exactly where we're going. And so today you may have a company that uses SharePoint for this and Handshake for this and VA Insight for this, but why not just use NetDocuments and then all of those can plug in on the back end. That way all of the headaches of the on-prem of managing the hardware, managing the security are then given to the vendors to NetDocuments in our case or to SharePoint Online in Microsoft's case, et cetera, to where NetDocuments is that central platform and things just feed into it so I have one place to go for everything that I need. So I, that is exactly where we are going, Steve, and I can't speak to the, to the competition and other DMS vendors, but that's exactly where we are headed. You know, that's, a, that's an awesome, awesome message because when you start to think about integration at that point, you know, being able to really have a platform where you can plug and play all your other applications, you know, being able to use webhook technology to embed into a NetDocuments workspace, whatever application, whether it's a, a workflow manager, whether it's social media networks. I don't know if that if we want to go there yet, uh, as far as being able to have this modernized experience where you are connecting all of your world, all of your applications, everything that you need to get your job done, just be able to have 
that collaborative, that easy experience to be able to work anywhere in the world, having a single platform that you go to to access all of that. So I don't know if I said a buzzword right there with social networks being embedded into the DMS. I don't know. What do you think, Mike? Is that in the future? Uh, no, I don't think it is. The way that things stand today, I mean, we we see you know the the Facebook stuff that came out recently. We've had um, things with Twitter and, and Instagram in the past as well. Whether it's security concerns or security leaks or data leaks, etc. I think for now. In most cases, with the common social platforms, I really don't think there's going to be a, a connection between the two at this point. And one of the things that leads me to, to think that as well is, you know, you look at when it comes to, and they're not necessarily social platforms, but they're more socially facing type platforms. When you look at Microsoft Teams, when you look at Slack, when you look at other type of instant messaging within an organization type of uh, software that we chose to not integrate with any of that. We went out and grabbed ThreadKM because it was more aligned with the type of service we want to provide. It was more enterprise aligned. It actually had a, a nice integration already with NetDocuments. It was their concepts were very much aligned to our concepts. And so for the time being, at least for the next five to six years, if as long as things don't change, I don't see the integration between the two. I think there are too many security concerns. I agree. It'll be interesting to see if uh, some of those networks, uh, those social platforms, if they will be able to resolve some of those security concerns over the next five, maybe 10 years. But I agree up until up until that point when that is able to happen, if it happens, I think having a, a provider with some of the things like net documents is able to do which you mentioned with the, the thread KM acquisition and ND threads release, being able to have that experience, but knowing that it is secured, that will, that will uh, get us a long way into the future with cloud computing to be able to have that security, that, uh, uh, that security on top of that experience, if you will. All right. So that about does it for the, the meat of our segment. You know, I, I kind of think our podcasts are similar to a sandwich. You've got the, the bread on the outsides with the meat in the middle. We just kind of consumed the meat. So we're going to wrap things up in segment three with the rest of the bread, a little sugar on top, and uh, finish up the podcast. So we'll be right back. Okay, the last and final segment. We are here. We've arrived. And for our one listener that made it all the way, I think we've got some good stuff in store for you. As we've done traditionally with our other podcasts, I've got a nice fun fact that is actually very interesting today. So I know last time we talked about uh, maggots and cheese, and I won't bring that up, I promise. But what we're going to do today is we're going to talk about way back in World War II. There was actually a British submarine called the HMS Trident. And believe it or not, that submarine kept a fully grown reindeer named Pollyanna aboard their vessel for six weeks. So submarines are already crowded as it is. In fact, I bet uh, some of the taller people can't even stand up straight because it's so cramped. Could you imagine keeping a reindeer in there, not just for a day, but for six entire weeks? So the backstory on this, and this is just fascinating, is the, the HMS Trident, was on operations up in the Arctic Circle. 
and actually assisted Russia during World War II. And the captain of the submarine was talking to a Russian admiral and talking about how his wife actually had trouble pushing her pram through the snow in England. Now, for us non-Brit non folks, a pram is a baby stroller. So she was having problems pushing that through the snow. And the Russian admiral said, you know what? You need a reindeer because you can hitch the reindeer to the front of the pram. And the reindeer will pull it through. The Russian admiral delivered on his promise and gave them this reindeer called Pollyanna. And, you know, the British captain didn't want to offend the Russian admiral. So they took the reindeer and kept the reindeer in the submarine for six weeks. There were there were a couple of uh, funny stories is the reindeer obviously had to eat. So they had a barrel of moss. The Russians not only gave him reindeer, but gave him some food, which was the barrel of moss. But Pollyanna ate all the moss eventually. I mean, six weeks is a long time. Pollyanna lived on scraps from the galley and also developed a taste for carnation condensed milk. Pollyanna, in order to get her into the submarine, she was lowered through a torpedo tube of the submarine and hoped that she could sleep in the tube. However, she didn't, she didn't quite like that. She ended up insisting to sleep underneath the captain's bed in the submarine. So when it came time, you know, the submarine finally came back into port. They tried to get Pollyanna off. She'd eaten so much that she'd put on so, so much weight that they actually couldn't get her out. Can you imagine this reindeer not being able to get out? Eventually, they were able to work some engineering feat and get the reindeer out of the submarine. They gave her to the London Zoo, and, and she remained there for the next several years until she passed away. But I just thought it was an interesting piece of trivia, a little fun fact. That's fascinating, Mike. But I have to say, after last podcast maggot fun fact, you promised me this one wasn't going to be gross. Yet while you were talking, the only thing I could think about is I wonder what the smell was like on that that vessel for that <laughs> long of time while the while Pollyanne was sitting there. And <laughs> you know what? Especially eating all that condensed milk. Maybe, maybe she held it because there's another story that goes when the submarine would surface for air because they had to replenish their air, she would barge her way through the corridors. I mean, imagine this reindeer charging down a hallway in a submarine. She would get to the main hatch to get some fresh air before returning to the officer's mess. There's actually a picture that, that I pulled up on this article that you can see Pollyanna standing on top of the submarine. So maybe she held it wow. until they were surfaced for air. I don't really I know, sure so. but you're absolutely but, right. They had to, I, I can't even imagine. It's like a miniature version of Noah's Ark. <laughs> with a reindeer. That's that's right. With one animal, <laughs> not hundreds. With one animal. <laughs> that's, that's awesome. Great, great fact. I like that one, Mike. I like that one. Okay. Now, as is tradition, uh, we're both going to trade questions, personal questions on each other. And Stephen, I'm going to start first. I get that pleasure. Okay. <laughs> I was going to try to sneak in my request, but you beat me to it. Uh-uh. So here's your question. So if you had to change your name, what would your new name be and why? Oh, my goodness. My new name. Can I can I say Mike Sanders? And nope. I don't think I need to say why. <laughs> <laughs> you would need to justify it, but no, that is not a valid answer. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Oh, my goodness. If I could change my name, what would it be? I'm going to... I'm going to pause right here and think about that for just a second. No worries. I can edit out anything. That was a hard question, Mike. Sorry. <laughs> I'm not sorry. But, uh... Sorry, not sorry. Man, I've never thought about that. What would I change my name to? So 
when I think about having to to change my name, I go back to some of the stories that, uh, and this will be my reasoning why as well. So when I was a kid, my mom told me the the two names that they actually considered giving me prior to naming me Stephen, and for some reason, I thought those were those names were awesome, and I was always jealous that they were not my names. But the first one was if I was a girl was going to be Lacey, which I don't know why. As a kid, I thought that was so cool. And then as a boy, my name they were going to give me was actually going to be James with the nickname Jimmy. And I don't know why, but as a kid, I thought those names were awesome, and I was so mad, especially that my name wasn't Jimmy because I just thought that was a cool name. But as my life went on, as I got to where I'm at today, I'll, I'll take Steven. I'll keep Steven with it. Uh, at least for the foreseeable future. We'll see if uh, if the government requires me to have a name change in the near future. That sounds good. I, I will accept that answer. That's legitimate. <laughs> All right. Well, it's my turn. My turn to give you a question. And I'm going to give you a softball here with an opportunity to really give an answer that's going to start something. My question to you is what secret conspiracy would you like to start today? Does it have to be government related or can it be anything related? Anything at all, anything and everything. All right. So I was going to use this and I know actually I know April Fool's, at least we're recording this before April Fool's. We'll probably release it after April Fool's. I've always had this dream of writing up an article and publishing it about net documents. And as an April Fool's joke, and I think one of these years I'm actually going to do it, but this is my conspiracy, that as NetDocuments goes through and we make this more user-friendly, more acceptable, if you hear Alvin talk about the invisible DMS, what? I, I'm using a DMS? I didn't know I was using a DMS, right? We want to use the carrot and not the stick. People seem to respond better that way. So my conspiracy is and slash April Fool's joke in, at some year in the future, is Net Documents is going to gamify our DMS. But you know what? For saving a document, you get one experience point. And you can level up from beginner to amateur to expert to black belt to whatever. And we're going to have a leaderboard posted on the netdocuments.com website of here are the top 10 people worldwide and for each action, you get an experience point. Oh, by the way, if you share something externally, that's 10 experience points. And we're going to put levels in there and, and all that type of stuff. So that's my conspiracy. Well, well that's a game I would play. <laughs> I think, well, I, I do play it, although it's not a game, but I'd be more inclined to play it. I like video games. I, I like the leveling up. What, what do you level up to in Net Documents? You level up to, uh, to ND Thread? <laughs> no, you know what you know what we're gonna call the the name of the top level. We're we're gonna call the the name of the top level Jimmy. There you go, yeah, <laughs> the Jimmy. I've I've reached level Jimmy. Oh, you defined level Jimmy, Stephen. I, I will take that. I will take it. Expect <laughs> a, expect an essay on your desk uh, by next week regarding what is on level Jimmy. Done. Done. <laughs> well, that wraps it up for this uh, for this podcast episode. We we appreciate you taking time and spending some time with us. And remember, as we announced at the beginning, if you have any feedback, you want to hear any new stuff, at ndcloudcast on Twitter, and also via email at info at netdocuments.com. Your choice.
anyway, have a great time and, and we'll see you next time. Thanks everyone again for joining. And just remember, until we meet again, keep your head in the clouds. Mm-hmm.